Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. You know, back in the heyday of the consciousness movement in the 1970s, it was a really exciting time. I know some of you weren't even born then, but one of the very popular presenters and writers and teachers, explorers into the area of consciousness was John Lilly. Some of you may have seen the video interview I did with the late Dr. Lilly. He was an experimenter in psychedelics. He wrote the classic book, Programming and Metaprogramming of the Human Biocomputer. He uh, developed the sensory isolation tank. Uh, he wrote some wonderful books. The Center of the Cyclone uh, was a good one. Simulations of God was another good book. And he's known in particular for having made this statement. I'm paraphrasing, but basically what he said is that in the realm of the human mind, nothing is impossible. There are no limits whatsoever. And any limits that should appear are actually obstacles that we have to work on transcending. Any limit that we think we experience in the realm of the mind is something that we can learn to transcend, learn to move beyond, learn to overcome. And I'm pretty sure what he was talking about is what we could call imagination. There's no limit to what you can imagine. Yesterday in the In Present series, I asked you to imagine being open telepathically to the thoughts of the entire body of humanity on this planet, some seven and a half billion people, I guess it would be at this point. You can imagine that, but that's just the beginning of what is possible to do in your imagination. You can imagine your dream body. You know, of course, we have a physical body. We are humans. We all have human being physical bodies in this three-dimensional reality. But in the realm of the imaginal world, you have a dream body. You could call it an astral body, but it is a body that travels in the imaginal worlds. And that body can take any shape or form you desire. You could be a bird. You could become an animal. You could become a mountain, as large as a mountain or as large as a galaxy. You could become as large as the whole universe. Or you could be a flying octopus. You could have tentacles that can reach out thousands of miles or thousands of light years, if you wish. You could let your tentacles reach out to other star systems and other planets. You could have eyes and ears and uh, olfactory sensations and even a, a taste sensation like a tongue at the end of each tentacle. All of that is possible in your imagination. There are no limits whatsoever to what you can imagine. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, so what? So I can imagine anything. What good is that to me? Well, if you're a writer, if you're a novelist or a poet, imagination will have obvious applications <laughs> for you. You won't have to ask that question. You'll understand. But most people are not writers or poets. 
most of us, um, you know, we might want to go to a movie, not make a movie. And so, why should we spend our time in some sort of fantasy la-la land? What is the value there? And now, in terms of the parapsychological aspects, the strange thing is this. When you imagine and you create mental images that are vivid and often do it in a context of a social support system, those imaginations seem to have the capacity for actualizing themselves in a veridical manner. That's how remote viewing works. Uh, Russell Targ was fond of saying uh, at SRI International when they did their initial, initial remote viewing research and the contract monitors would come and he'd say, okay, we'll let you do remote viewing so you can evaluate for yourself based on your own experience how real it is. And he remembered an occasion with one monitor. He said, close your eyes and now tell me what mental imagery you have. And the fellow said, well, everything's black. And Russell Targ said, well, imagine that you're having mental images. And at that point, vivid images began flooding into his mind that were accurate descriptions of the remote viewing target in that instance. So, Imagination is a doorway into activating psi. It doesn't always happen, and there's plenty of room for self-deception in this case. That's why we employ uh, the empirical method in parapsychology, why we take the trouble to do well-controlled experimental studies with independent judges and double blinds and all of the yeah, requirements of experimental scientific methodology. That's important. That's one way to separate fantasy from reality. But in order to enter into a psi-conducive state, sometimes having a very flexible imagination is quite useful. And, you know, the funny thing is with parapsychology, we have our formal paradigms or protocols that are used in experiments, but most of you who are viewing are not going to become research subjects. You probably aren't even going to become active in a group that's engaged in applied psi work, like uh, working with police departments or financial forecasting or working on archaeological projects. I suspect that most of you will just be applying it in your life. Like, what is my partner thinking right now? Can you be more sensitive to the unspoken words of people in your immediate environment? And how will expanding your capacity for imagination help you there? Well, I can tell you, it is very likely to open up your intuition. And if you are a well-grounded human being, you will discover ways for yourself of preventing yourself from falling into the trap of self-delusion. And I've seen it happen uh, in the psychic realm. It happens a lot because uh, there's ego attachments around all of this. So, I guess a good way to conclude 
this chain of thought is, is to remind you once again of the guidance given by the great Austrian mystic Rudolf Steiner, who said, take two steps toward developing your character to becoming a good ethical person before you take one step toward knowledge or power. Thank you for being with me.